1: We are talking about the family today. Uh, in particular, we're talking about parents and children today. Before we get into that, isn't the praise team just awesome? Aren't they fantastic? They do such a fantastic job, and we are so grateful for them in the constant leading of worship, and uh, it's just been amazing to see how great that team has been over the years. We we are almost at our 10th year anniversary. That'll be in January, where we'll be celebrating 10 years as a church, and uh, many of them have been with us from the very beginning. I know Chris has been there from the very beginning, and just awesome to have them as part of our church. If you're visiting with us for the very first time, we are in a series of messages covering the book of Ephesians or the letter that Paul wrote to the church that was there in Ephesus. Now, the purpose of the letter was to instruct them. And really, it's nicely divided into three different sections. There's a section in the book of Ephesians, the letter to Ephesus on sitting. Uh, We learn to sit, and that's the first three chapters. What does that mean for you? Well, that means we learn to sit and receive and rest in the Lord, to understand who he's made us to be. To understand that we are human beings, not human doings. We sit, we rest, we receive, we quit striving, we quit working, we just hear from God. Then it shifts gears into chapter four, and we learn what it means next to walk. Walking is living out my faith in this world, in the reality of this world. When I go to work, and when I, when I uh, do activities and hobbies, and when I go about my day, how do I live this faith out? And then, We get to stand, and standing is what we're going to cover as we kick off the fall, and that is going to be a focus on spiritual warfare, the battle that we are in, and that's what we're going to be looking forward to. Right now, we're in the section learning how to sit, or I'm sorry, learning how to walk. We've learned how to sit, we're learning how to walk. Now, the contextual verse that lays all of this in motion is chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Paul says, therefore I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you... To walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called. So what he's saying is walk this life out walk it out, live it out, but do so in a manner worthy of God. If God were before you, if you were around him just in person, would he say, good job, you are walking well, you are living this out, I am very pleased with what you're doing. Or would he say, what are you doing? Why are you acting like this? Why are you walking like this? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling of God on your life. Well, what is that walk going to look like? Well, here's what he says, with complete humility and gentleness with patience, putting up with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. This is what the worthy walk looks like. Humility, gentleness, patience, and putting up with each other in love. If you could summarize all that it means to live out the Christian life, those would be the words. Jesus has come into your life, he's affected you, and he's changed you from the inside out. Now you and I... Humble, gentle, patient, putting up with one another in love. Well, we have reached a subsection in the section on walking. So, all of the section of walking is chapter four, all the way through the middle of chapter six. But there's a little glimmer of this that Paul is going to focus on relationships. And we've called this orderly relationships, four parts to this. We spent the first two weeks talking about marriage. What is God's plan for what marriage is supposed to be? And then, We're going to look at parents and children. That's what we're going to look at today. And then next week, we're going to look at the work relationship. When I go to work or friendships that I have, what is that going to look like? Well, the little subsection is summarized by this contextual verse also submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for jesus for messiah we're going to pray and begin and then we're going to dive into this today and look at what it means to be a parent or to be a child in life let's pray father Be with us now and help us to hear from you. We invite you to this place. We cannot do this without you being here. Lord, the Bible is not just theoretical words on a paper that cannot be understood. It is for everyday life. It is for where we are at in life. Help that word, Lord, to intersect with our lives so that we understand it. Lord, my my heart's desire is that your words become understandable and practical in our lives and make that happen today. Father, please make the word understandable and practical to us. I pray that you would show us what orderly relationships look like when it comes to those who are children and those who are parents and how we live this out in our lives. We thank you for this time, we praise you, we honor you, and we turn this time to you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, the summary verse was this, submit yourselves one to another out of the fear or out of the reverence for Jesus. Because you respect Jesus, because you revere him, because you've accepted him, now submit yourselves to one another. We looked at this when it comes to the marriage. If you did not hear that, I want you to go back and, ta- and listen to those again. Because here's the picture that we got. Here is what happened in the curse. We have two people in the curse that are in a marriage, but because of sin entering into the world, the picture was that we have two people that are trying to rule over the other person. We try to control each other. We try to get power over the other. We become selfish in the relationship. We tear each other down in many different ways, and that's a result of the curse. We have two people that are are going after each other, and the result of two people that are coming after each other is that both people get shoved down. And this is what happens. But that's not what God's plan is. God did not plan it that way. He said, I want you to submit yourselves to each other. Now, the word submit is a military term in the Greek language. It's hupotasso, and it means to surrender yourself and come underneath. Consider yourself of lower rank than the other person. So what does that mean to us in general? Well it means that because of Christ in our lives we are now to come underneath and serve the other person. Now picture it this way. You have two people who are coming over the top pushing each other down but instead God's plan is you have two people who come underneath and support each other and raise and elevate each other. That's what it is to submit. So Paul says this. This is the beginning verse. Submit yourselves to one another. Wives, you submit yourselves to your husband in this manner. Husbands, you submit yourselves to your wives in this manner. Husbands, you res- you love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, you respect your husband who needs to have that respect. So that's what the marriage is supposed to look like. But today, we're going to switch gears and now look at a different dynamic, and that is children and parents. Here's what Paul writes. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which, by the way, is the first commandment in the Old Testament that there was a promise associated, and the promise was this so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction. Of the Lord. So what are we going to look at today? Well, we're going to look at children and parents. How do we relate? Let's start with the first part that Paul writes, and that is children. And here's what he says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. How many of you are children? Well, all of you. Okay, I want you to think about this. Every one of you are a child of someone. You may not know your parents, you may not like your parents, you may have a estranged relationship with parents, but everyone in this room is a child of someone. You were produced by a male and a female coming together, and they produce you. Everyone in this room is a child. Now, how many of you are childish? We could ask that question. How many of you are childlike? We could ask that question. How many of you are of young age? We can ask that question. How many of you are old age? We can ask that. Every one of us is a child. And he says this, children, obey your parents. I want you to notice the word obey. You remember what word I just said, and we looked at this together, the word submit. Sometimes in the Bible, translators translate words out of the Greek into the English to the best context, the best understanding that they could possibly have. And so the writers and many translators who translated it from Greek to English translated it and used the word obey. I want you to notice what the word actually is, though. In the Greek, it is the word hupakoiol, which is the same root word as the word submit. What he's saying is this. Children, submit to your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Or, Or children, here's another way. Children, respect your parents in the Lord, for this is Right. I don't care how old you are. This command still applies to us. Your parents, you may be very young, and your parents are, you live in the home with your parents, and they're raising you. You're called to respect and submit to them. Your parents may be old, and you're out of the house, and you're into your adult years, and you're learning how to be an adult, or maybe you're succeeding at being an adult, and you're called to submit and respect your parents no matter what it's not really about them it's about you it's about the child or it's about you as the child I need to submit to and respect them we're going to talk about what that means but let me give you a a rule that we have in our house my wife and I we have six children And four of them are essentially out of the house. We still have two left in the house, two teenagers, two teenage boys. And the rule in our house has always been this. Kids, you are allowed to disagree with mom and dad. You don't always have to agree. Uh, We're right, but you don't always have to agree with that. You don't have to agree. However, if you are going to disagree... You have every right to tell us, but you will do so with respect. As soon as you cross the line from respect to disrespect, you have lost your right to be heard. How do kids do that? Well... Attitude, sarcasm, demanding, uh, being childish, being uh, being self centered and selfish, argumentative—those are all ways of being disrespectful. As soon as you cross the line, you have lost your right to be heard, and that's where punishment will start to step in. By the way, that also applies to a marriage. If you're married, your husband wife. As soon as the other person crosses the line of disrespect, the conversation is done. Do you know what I mean by crossing the line if you're married? As soon as you become combative, argumentative, blaming, name-calling, shaming, you have lost the right to be heard because you have stepped across the line into what is called disrespect. Children with your parents I want you to respect them, to submit to them, because here's what God says, this is right. What does it mean that this is right? Well, what it means is this, this is God's plan. God wants us to learn what it means to submit ourselves to other people. We submit ourselves to the Lord, and we submit ourselves to others in healthy, functioning relationships. It always strikes me. And you've all noticed this as well, is when you go to the grocery store, and you see parents pushing their kids around in a cart, and the and maybe they're not in a cart, maybe they're just kind of walking along with you, but the kids are getting incredibly disrespectful. Have you ever seen that happen? They're having a fit, having a tantrum, angry, argumentative, sarcastic, whatever it might be, and yet the parents do absolutely nothing. The parents just let them go get away with it and they just buy them anything they can to appease them to hope that maybe they'll quit doing this no that's not okay because you're teaching them that disrespect is perfectly acceptable that's where punishment comes in that's where not rewarding them comes in because you cannot allow them to cross the line from respect into disrespect hopefully that makes sense so he says children I want you to submit yourself. So this applies if you're a child, which all of us are. And it applies when they're young. Here's what Proverbs eight says. Hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. And that applies when you're young. When you're growing up in the house and your children are growing up in the house, they need to heed the instruction given by parents. We need to do that. That's one of the things that we were supposed to do. Why do we do that? Well, because your parents know more. If you're a parent, you know that you know way more than your kid. Now, when my kids say, "Uh, I can do it myself, I could tie my shoes myself, clearly they can't, but okay. You can do it yourself. That's what they want to do. They're trying to push that boundary. You know more as a parent. You let them struggle, and then you step in and help. They know more. Parents know more. That's why we're called to listen to their instruction. But it doesn't just apply when it's young. It also applies when they're old. Look at what he says in Proverbs 23. Listen to your father who begot you, meaning he contributed to your birth. Do not despise your mother when she is old. The command is you keep respecting even as your parents age. Now, my parents are getting older in life. And my parents, you know, sometimes you think, okay, well, they're telling me the same story for the hundredth time. I have other people that I know. They're telling me the same story for the hundredth time. Yet, I'm still going to respect them. Because they have wisdom, they deserve honor, and they deserve my respect. So he says, listen. Now the word listen means to pay attention to. Hear them out. Don't step in and dismiss them. The word despise means hold as insignificant. Don't hold your parents as they age as insignificant. Don't just despise them. Don't just dismiss them. Don't just disregard them. Actually show respect to them. Why would we do that? Well, the reason is they sacrificed tremendously for us. And because they sacrificed for us and gave toward us, we need to be respectful toward them. So let's look at what he says. Children, obey your parents, for this is right in the Lord. And then he goes on to say this. He says, honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. This is a direct quote out of the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Exodus. The 10 commandments were given. There was one that was given that had a promise and the promise was this one. If you do this, it's going to go well. Meaning if you follow God's principles, you're going to be blessed. Your life is going to be good. God designed the family unit and the parenting unit for a specific reason and purpose. And if we follow God's plan, it's going to be exactly what we want it to be. Now, all of this comes out of the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Exodus. In the book of Deuteronomy, here's the quote. The quote is this. Honor your father and your mother. Just as Adonai your God commanded you So that your days may be long And it may go well with you in the land Adonai your God is giving you Here's what he says I want you to honor them Now the word honor Is the Greek word and the Hebrew word And it means to prize I want you to Prize them Prize your father And your mother Just as God commanded And if you do that things will go right and you will be blessed again why do we do that well do you know that as a child and you know this if you're a parent but did you know that children are about the worst financial investment that you could ever make in your life did you know that as a parent your children contribute nothing absolutely nothing instead they are incredibly demanding your children cost you money time, effort, hair, wrinkles, weight gain, stress, anxiety, and worry. Did you know that? If you're a parent, you do. You know exactly that. I'm going to honor my mother and father because I know the sacrifice they made for me. And so I will prize them. How? By listening to them, by appreciating them, by valuing their wisdom, and being there for them as they age and get older in life. You know, this brings up a couple of questions for me, though. One of the questions is, what if you have a mother and father that is no longer around? Maybe you lost them. How do I honor father and mother that I've lost. That's one of the questions that comes up. Second one, what if you have a mother or father that was not good? They were just not a good parent. Maybe they abandoned you, maybe they rejected you, maybe they wounded you, abused you. How do you honor and obey like God says someone like that? I want to give you a couple of ideas. Listen to these. Number one, be grateful and value that they gave you life. That's one way you could honor them. Be grateful and value the fact that they did not abort me. I'm alive. I was able to maybe get have a family of my own because I'm alive. Well, thank you, mom and dad. Even though you were terrible parents, thank you so much For giving me life. That's one way you can honor and value them. Here's another way you can honor and value them. Be grateful and value the things that they may have done right. They did the best that they possibly knew how to do. And maybe there was just one little thing that they did do right And you can honor that about them. Maybe they did 99 things wrong, but they did one thing right, and I could pick on that one thing and say, you know what, thank you that you at least did that. You can honor and value them that way. Be grateful and value their woundedness and their past dysfunction. What does that mean? There's a reason they are the way that they are. So put yourself in their shoes and see what they came out of And maybe that will produce compassion and empathy in your heart for them because of what they went through. You know, maybe your father was an alcoholic because in his home, his father was an alcoholic and he was abusive. And because of that, it's passed down and value what they came through. And it will create empathy and compassion in your heart. Number four, be grateful and value them by praying for them often. You can honor your parents, even if they were horrible, by praying for them and praying that they get right with the Lord before it is too late. Number five, be grateful and value them by forgiving them for the harm that they inflicted upon you. Stop blaming and stop using that as the excuse to continue to be the person you are. Instead, be different and forgive them. And that's one way you can honor them as well. Number six, be grateful and value them by deciding not to be like them in the raising of your children. So, you learned through them what not to do. You learned the awful example so that now you can be the great example to your kids. And you can honor and value them by determining, I will stop it today. It will not go any further. It breaks, and I will be different, and my family for generations to come will be different because of the decisions that I'm making today. So you can still honor your father and mother even if they're not around and even if they were absolutely awful. Parents is what we're going to focus on next. Children, obey your mother and father. Submit to them, respect them, Because this is the first commandment with a promise. Now, parents is next. When I say parents, I use that term loosely. Because, unfortunately, and I don't like this, but Paul actually doesn't talk about moms. He talks about dads. He puts all of the blame on dads. And I feel a little bit convicted by that. So I'm going to include parents in the whole thing. So I'm not alone in my conviction. But here's what Paul says. He says, fathers... Not moms. Why? Moms don't have a problem. I mean, moms are pretty perfect, right? They know what to do. Moms naturally have more compassion, more tenderness, more love, more care, more concern. Fathers are really the problem, right? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. See, this is the, this is the problem he's addressing. Do not provoke your children to anger. The word given, provoke and anger are the exact same word. And the word is perogizo. Now, you would have to go back a few weeks to when I talked about anger. I don't know if you remember this, but I want to just quickly remind you. In the Bible, if you put all the Greek words in order, it shows you the way that anger works. Remember this? Step one was what was called, it was the Greek word orge, and it means the emotion of anger. This is just the natural, natural anger. So Paul says, be angry, yet don't sin. He's saying, it's okay to be angry, don't sin. That's step one. That's orge, the natural emotion of anger. Step two of anger was the Greek word paragismos, And what paragasmas means, the S won't write, paragasmas, it means stuffed anger. Well, what is stuffed anger? It's when you have the natural emotion of anger, you don't deal with it, you don't resolve it, you don't work through it, you just stuff it. And when it is stuffed, it will be like a churning, toxic uh, volcano before it erupts. It's the magma flow before the volcano turns into lava flow. It is bubbling and churning. It's eating away at me. It turns into bitterness. It turns into depression. It turns into anxiety. All kinds of problems that come from stuffed anger. Step three was the Greek word thumos, and that's where we get our word thermal, and that's where anger explodes. And step four is the word chileo, and it means bitterness, just deep-seated bitterness. Okay, here's what I want you to notice. These two words are really the same. How are they the same? Paragizo is the verb. Paragosmos is the noun. Paragizo is the action of Paragasmas. What does that mean? Let me let me clarify it. Here's what he's saying. Fathers, do not cause your children to have stuffed anger. Do not cause them to shove their anger down. Do not raise your children in such a way that they will be carrying this anger with them for the rest of their lives. How do men do that? Well, did your father do that to you? Did he cause you to have a lot of anger that you could never talk about, you could never resolve, you could never work through, we could never discuss this? Maybe he flew off the handle disciplining you for no reason, and it created this anger in you but you could never work through the anger so you just shoved it down and you've carried it with you throughout your life that's what paul is saying fathers he's not saying to moms and there are some angry women that it could apply, but the majority of time, it is the man. Fathers, do not cause your anger, or do not cause your children to stuff and push and, uh, and force that anger under the surface. Because if you do, it will create a problem, a generational problem for them. How does this happen? Let me give you some examples of this. How do fathers do this? Let me give you five ways. Number one, by being an angry man you're an angry man, then you are going to cause your children to stuff their own anger. What does that mean, being an angry man? Well, do the kids run and cover every time you come home. Do they cower at the sound of your voice? Do they avoid you at all costs? Maybe you punish them out of anger instead of actually listening to them as to what's going on. I had this happen with my son, my youngest son. And I don't remember what he had done um, at all. I, I don't even remember. It wasn't anything big. But I kind of harshly yelled at him for what he had done. And I didn't listen to him. I didn't hear what he was saying. I was just, I kind of harshly treated him. And he just went into his room and closed the door. And my wife said something that she says a lot you need to talk to him and resolve this you can't let him go like this and I said it's not a big deal really he just needs to grow up and get over it that kind of attitude finally I heeded what she was saying heeded her warning and I went and and I knocked on his door I said Alec I need you to come out here and we need to talk we need to resolve this and he was—I thought it was not even a big deal—but he was so broken-hearted that he couldn't even get the words out. He was just crying. Well, when I took time and I said to him, Alec, I—I I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me? Tell me what you need to tell me. And when he—and it took a lot of drawing. It took a lot of time, about a half an hour. But finally, he shared exactly what was going on, exactly what he was feeling. I forgave him, he forgave me, we resolved it, I gave him a big hug. He was night and day different from that point going forward because I took the time to get on his level and resolve it. Had I not done that, I would have caused him to have his anger stuffed and it would have affected him. I don't know for how long, I don't know how much, but it would have kept affecting him. Now, if I had done that time after time after time after time with never letting him talk about it, just blowing up at him, eventually he's going to leave carrying all of that with him. So one way that fathers do that is by being an angry man. Second way fathers do this is by being an addicted man. Why do I say this, being an addicted man? Because addiction at its core is selfish. It's selfishness. It's about making me happy. It's about what I want and what I need at the expense of everybody else. And so one of the ways that you cause your children to have anger stuffed is by being incredibly selfish, focused on your addiction, and the kids suffer the consequences. Third way, by being an apathetic man. You know what apathetic Means, it means I don't really care. Uh, I I, I don't. I don't want to get involved. And so you become an apathetic man, and you don't show care and concern for what's going on in their lives. I I know families, and I know adults who have said to me, "My parents didn't care about me at all, especially my dad." I had all of these different activities happening when I was in school and my father never attended one of them because he was apathetic. He just didn't care. And that creates a wound that kids will carry and they will remember and you probably remember in your own life. By being an abandoning man, you run out on your family. Maybe you've abandoned them completely or maybe it's been through a divorce and, and you just haven't been a part of their lives at all. And you have essentially abandoned them, and they feel that pain, and that anger shoves down, and it affects them, and it eats away at the inside of who they are. Finally, by being an absent man, different from being an abandoning man, an absent man is one who is still a part of the family, but is a workaholic, And gone all the time. And even when you are home, you're not really home. And by being an absent man, that creates this in a child's life. Fathers, do not do anything to provoke your children to stuff their anger. And so what do you do? How do you fix that? Well, humbling yourself. Being gentle, being patient, putting up with them in love, listening to what they have to say, getting down on their level, talking to them, not letting them be disrespectful, but talking through things with them, working through it so that the issue gets resolved. So this is what Paul says. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but... Look at what he says, different. Instead, I want you to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Do you know the word discipline is one of the most intriguing words? When I say discipline, what do you think of? Spanking, probably, or timeouts, or punishing in some way. That's what people think of as discipline. I'm gonna, you're grounded. You're in a timeout. I'm going to spank you. Do you know that's not what the word discipline means? The word discipline in the original Greek language means this, the saving of the mind. Fathers, don't provoke your children, but instead save their mind. Make sure that they're clearly thinking. And it takes sometimes those acts of discipline to get a hold of them so they can see things rightly. If you don't discipline... You don't, you don't punish those things. They're, they're never, their mind is going to be tainted. Like the parent who goes to Walmart, lets their kids scream and yell and throw a fit, and you give them whatever they want, well, what has that taught their mind? Well, I can do this anytime and get away with it and get anything I want. I can control and manipulate mom and dad by my actions. Well, that's not saving their mind. So you have to at times punish in order to save the mind. So instead of provoking them to anger, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So what would that mean? It would mean I want to make sure they're gods and God-honoring. I want to make sure that they know the Lord, walk with the Lord. I want to make sure their mind is right. I'm not going to shove the anger down. I'm going to listen to them but i really want their hearts to be following god i want to do things god's way and that really is the summary of all of the relationship stuff in my marriage if i determine i'm going to do things god's way how blessed is that marriage in my parent or in my childness with my parents if i decide i'm going to do things god's way it blesses me and perhaps it blesses them If I determine in my parenting, okay, I'm going to do things God's way, it blesses me and it blesses my kids. And so that's God's instruction on the family. So, how can I practically do this? Let me give you three quick things to wrap this up, and then we're going to go into communion. Three quick things about how do I do this? And I want you guys, especially the men, to really take this to heart. Here's the three things Number one, do not discipline out of anger. You ever done that? I have. Too many times to count. My younger children have experienced it way better than my older kids did because I far more disciplined out of anger with the older couple of kids than I have with the younger ones. Don't discipline out of anger. Never discipline out of anger. Instead of reacting, which is what anger is, it's an emotionary reaction to whatever they're doing, put them aside. You know, Stop the behavior immediately, but put them aside, take a time out, think through, pray through, let God calm your emotions, and then deal with it rightly. And he'll show you exactly how to discipline, but don't ever do it out of reaction and anger. Because if you do that, it will provoke them to stuffing their anger. Number two, do not crush their spirit and heart. This applies, again, to marriage and to families. In your marriage, men... The words you say, the actions that you do can crush your wife's heart. And wives, the actions you do, the words you say can crush your husband's heart. Picture your heart like your hand. The more hurt you become, the more you start to close yourself off until all it is is a clenched fist. Wounds, hurts, things that happen cause me to tighten up and close myself off. You do that with your kids as well. When you discipline out of anger, when you are harmful and provoke them to stuff their anger, you're closing off their spirit. What do we want to see happen? Husbands and wives, parents and children, keep the heart of that person open. Because when they do, they will be receptive and they will love in return. So do not crush their spirits and heart. If you have, be humble enough... To go to them and say, I am sorry, I was wrong, would you please forgive me? That's a wonderful habit to practice, by the way. Finally, just do Ephesians 4.1. Be humble, gentle, and patient. If you do those things, your family life, as well as your marriage life, will begin to be God's. It'll be done God's way, and you will be blessed because of it. So for some of us in this room, our first step is this. We may need to go to our kids and say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it God's way. I'm sorry for the things that I've said or done. Maybe you need to take some ownership and say, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? For others, you know, maybe you need to uh, just be encouraged to keep doing what you're doing. Or maybe instead of being one of those kind of dads that I mentioned before, be an active, present, loving father in their lives. We want to see relationships handle God's way. Because when people do things God's way, blessings tend to follow. We're going to close with a word of prayer, and then we're going to take communion together today. If you did not get one of the communion cups as you came in, if you just raise your hand, we're going to have somebody just jump up and grab those. Um, Margaret, can you jump up and grab? If anybody needs some of those, just put your hand up. Let's pray as we get into this. Father, I just pray that we would be the kind of children and the kind of parents that make you proud. That you would say, well done. I am proud of you. I'm proud of the way you handled that. I'm proud of the way you worked through that. Help us not to ever discipline out of anger and harshly, but Lord, help us to discipline as you see fit. Father, I pray as children that we would respect and honor our parents, no matter how old they are. And as children, we would seek to value them, even if they were terrible as parents. And maybe that's some issues that we all have to work through. How to love and how to value and how to honor those that were just terrible. But Lord, you can help us do so. As parents, Lord, help us to raise our children rightly. So that they love you and follow you and are committed to you with all their heart. Lord, thank you for being with us today. And as we enter into this time of communion, bless this time. And receive the honor and the praise that you are due. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: It matters why do we do this. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus broke bread. He gave it to his disciples. Take me. This is my body. He took a cup. Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. It is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. It matters how we do this. Let each of us look at our lives. Let us recognize our sin. Let us see the grace of God in the body and blood of Christ, broken for us, poured out for our forgiveness. It matters that we do this. Let us eat the bread. Drink from the cup. Remember the Lord's death in our place on the cross, looking for his return.
1: Amen. This morning we have the privilege of sharing in a very sacred thing, and that is communion. We practice an open communion. What that means is you don't have to be a member of Journey uh, to take communion. However, that said, there is, (laughs) excuse me, a step that you need to follow. And the step is this, are you in a right relationship with God? Because the Bible makes it very clear that if you're not in a right relationship with God, you should not be taking communion. What does it mean to not be in a right relationship? Well, to not have repented of your sins, to say, you know, I'm not sorry for what I have done. Repentance is a complete U-turn in life. It's, I was going that way, and now I'm going to go this way instead. It's a 180. God, I'm, I'm sorry for what I have done. I'm sorry for the actions. I'm sorry for my attitude. I'm sorry for my sin. Lord, please forgive me and help me to be new going forward. That's making your life right with the Lord. And some of you today may need to do some business with God. Maybe your heart is not where it needs to be. Maybe you've wandered away. Maybe you've never come to him in the first place. You said, I'm not really sure about all of this Christianity stuff. And if your heart is not where it needs to be, if your heart is not right with God, don't take communion today. If your heart is not right, make it right now. You can be right with the Lord. You could say to him, Father, I, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? And would you help me to be different going forward? A different attitude, a different heart, a different mindset. Lord, help me to be different going forward. I don't want to be the same person I've always been. I want to be different. As we get into this time of communion, make sure you're right with him. And if you're not and you don't want to be, I'd encourage you not to partake of the communion today. I want to read an invitation. And then I want to explain the words. Listen to these words of this invitation. All you who truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and fellowship with your neighbors and intend to live a new life following the commandments of God and walking from this day forward in his holy ways, draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament to your comfort. Did you hear those words? Do you earnestly repent of your sins? Are you in love and fellowship with your neighbors? Now, that's not always possible, but how about this? As far as it depends upon you and your heart, you don't have anything against them. You've forgiven. You are in love and fellowship. Do you intend to live a new life going forward, following the commandments of God? That, that's the expectation as we take of the communion together. Would you pray with me as I pray a prayer of consecration for the elements? O God, who of your great mercy gave your only son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death on the cross for our redemption, we draw near with humility in the celebration of this memorial of his suffering and death. Hear us, O merciful Father, we ask you and grant to bless and sanctify with your word and spirit these, your gifts of bread and juice. Amen. Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 19, it says, When the hour had come, Jesus reclined at the Passover table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You have the little wafer. It represents the body of Jesus. Jesus gave that example in the Passover meal. A lot of symbolism in that Passover meal. But he gave this piece of bread, it was called the matzah, and he said, this, this is me, this is a representation of me. And he broke it and he gave it to them, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. His body, the body of Jesus, would be broken. He would be bruised and beaten beyond recognition, it says in the book of Isaiah. His skin would be ripped open, his skin would be ripped from his flesh as he was being whipped, the crown of thorns, the beatings that he took, and then he was nailed to the cross. His body nailed there for us. Jesus took upon himself the punishment that every one of us deserves. Because we have sinned, because we have fallen short of the glory of God, we are the ones that deserve that punishment. But God, in his mercy and grace, looked at us and said, I'm not going to put it on you. My son will take the punishment for you. So as you partake of the elements, you partake of the bread today, remember that Jesus willingly gave his life as an offering for you. You may partake. The juice represents the blood of Jesus. The blood, which is the atonement for our sin, is an amazing, amazing thing. Jesus was considered the Passover lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. In the book of Exodus, the Passover lamb was slain for the people. The blood of the Passover lamb was then taken and painted on the doorposts of the home in which the people occupied As the blood was being painted, the angel of death came and passed over all of those who had the blood that was covering the home. Death came upon the nation of Egypt, but it was passed over for those who had covered themselves with the blood. Well, in the same way, the blood of Jesus today does not get painted on our home our literal physical home instead the blood of jesus gets painted on the doorposts of the heart your heart when you accept him and that blood washes us whiter than snow and so as you partake of the juice let it remind you of the fact that the blood of jesus has covered me and provides for me the forgiveness that i desperately need you may partake Would you please pray with me? Father, on a day like this, where we celebrate communion, I am so thankful and grateful that you could possibly love me. You could possibly love us. We know ourselves. We know our past. We know what we have done. And we all know, Lord, that we don't deserve anything from you. In fact, what we do deserve is punishment. We do deserve to hang on the cross. We do deserve to be separated from you for all eternity, but you didn't leave it like that. You forgave us. You painted the blood of your son who took our punishment on our hearts. You have given us grace and mercy when we least deserved it. I pray, Lord, that that would become the motivation for our lives. We're not trying to earn anything from you. We're just simply grateful for all that you have done. And because you saved me, help me, Lord, to be faithful in how I walk after you. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us. Thank you for being here. And I pray, Father, your blessing over this body of people as they leave these doors and go into a a tough world, that you would be with them, watching over them every step of the way, going in front of them, going beside them, going behind them and protecting them every way they, everywhere they go. Lord, please do a great work. Please protect and please be with. We thank you. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. Well, I hope you'll join us back here next week as we wrap up the relationships where we're going to talk about the work relationship as we go into that. So see you back here next week. Have a wonderful week in the Lord until we see you again.
0: Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the Give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.